Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, June 30th, 2015. Good morning, Today we are reading. Good morning. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 94, paragraph 2. And today's readers are reading the 12 steps, Mary B., Reading the 12 Traditions, Nadia B. Reading the text this morning would be Katie F., Devorah S., and Renata G. The reference number for yesterday, which was Monday, June 29, 2015, is 7783. 7783. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message. Excuse me, let me correct that. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Mary B. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you. This is Mary B., gratefully recovered in Central California. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for the opportunity to be of service. Thank you, Mary B. I will now ask Nadia B. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. It's Nadia B., Grateful Recover Compulsive Reader in Connecticut. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought to never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA ought to be fully self, OA group ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OAS as such are never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought to never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of, at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Pass. Thank you, Nadia B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the Big Book on page 94, paragraph 2, beginning with your candidate may give reasons. And I will ask KDF to begin our study today. Good morning, this is Katie, author, recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. 
Your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all of the program. He may rebel at the thought of drastic house cleaning, which requires discussion with other people. Do not contradict such views. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you would have made much progress had you not taken action. On your first visit, tell him about the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. If he shows interest, lend him your copy of this book. And, you know, (laughs) this unfortunately is the state that, you know, most people that I talk to about this program um, are at. If they aren't already in the room, then they usually will say, oh, oh, you do that? Oh, well, I don't need to do that. I don't need to do, uh, I, I, my problem's really not that bad. Um, I can do this on my own. Um, where can I find the food plan? Um, why would I want to do those steps? Uh, why would I want to do that? I've had people say that. Why would I want to look at my past um, if it's not affecting my present? And, you know, all these different excuses I, too, made. I, in the rooms, you know, had every reason why um, I didn't need to do the program quite the way um, the other people did. I had an excuse. I, you know, I was single. I worked too many hours. I, um, you know, I, if you had my you know, Dad, you'd feel this way too. There's no way I can clean this up. I can't tell him how I feel. You know, I just, I did not um, want to look at possibly there was a different way to do this. And, you know, until your prospect is at the point where they say, what do I need to do? How high do I need to jump? Um, Then they're probably not ready. And that's the sad truth about this um, recovery is until I was ready to do whatever I was told, and even when I thought I was ready, I still would say, you know, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know how to do that. I know that. Oh, I know. And I still find myself doing that sometimes. You know, I, I contempt prior to investigation. I will assume that I know how to do things and I know everything and I'm just telling you this to get it off my chest, but really I I don't need your input. And, you know, that is uh, baloney. I need to have other people's input and I need to be willing to do whatever someone tells me to do and I need to be, have the integrity that, you know, whether I'm in a crowd of, you know, potentially 400 other compulsive overeaters, like we may uh, get to be in October, or I'm at my home by myself, I'm being honest with how I'm living my life. And I am have integrity with how I eat. And I um, treat others um, with respect and kindness. And if I don't, I apologize. Until someone is ready to be that transparent, they're not ready. And, you know, I didn't want, um, I wasn't ready until I was ready. And I can't make someone else be ready. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie F. Who would like to comment on that paragraph today? This is Larry. Hi, Larry. Good morning to you. Anyone else before? Larry, my manager. Reva P. This is Rochelle. Hi, this is Norman. Rochelle. And Norman, let's go with that for right now, please. 
Do I have Larry K, Renata G, uh, Reva P, Rochelle, and Norman. Let's go with that, and I'll catch you other ones I just heard after. Thanks so much. Good morning, Larry K. Good morning. Good morning, Mel. Um, Larry K, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Chicago. Um, So, you know, the, the big book is instructing me, you know, not to contradict such views. And, yeah, they may give reasons that seem valid to them that they need not follow all the program. You know, and sometimes perhaps, you know, I think I'll, I'd like to edit this, these precise instructions. Maybe, you know, in 2015, it's, it's a perfect time for a rewrite of this text that hasn't been changed. You know, so rather than conveying that I once felt exactly the way they did, but that I doubt, you know, whether I would have made much progress had, had I not taken these actions, how about I rewrite that to say, you know, as soon as, the, as this prospect gives reasons that he need not follow all the program, you know, be sure to be, you know, aggressively debate him on the foolishness of his premise. You know, be prepared to persuade him of your wisdom. You know, um, of course, make sure to shame him by drawing his attention to his inability to overcome his malady. You know, and whenever possible, make this debate personal. Because after all, you know, this is all about me. So, so much the better if I can lay a guilt trip to induce my candidate to act in accordance with what my wishes are. You know, all, and, and then always remember, Larry, that the end justifies the means. So say and do anything, regardless if it's lacking in compassion. You know, because love and tolerance is my code, but only when it's convenient for me. You know, and obviously, you know, I'm being facetious. You see, for me, the only test of a valid spiritual experience is that it must lead directly to practical compassion. So, you know, I'm always asking if, you know, in my understanding of the divine, did it make me a kinder person, more, you know, more empathic, with more empathy, more willing to take you know, concrete actions of loving kindness? Or did my actions show unkindness, belligerence, you know, cruelty, self-righteousness? Compassion is always going to be my litmus test. And, uh, yeah, there's, you know, I do tell them. I, I say, well, I, because I, I, I did feel exactly the way. I thought this was a salad bar. You know, I'll have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it, it didn't work for me very well. It didn't work for me at all. What worked for me is to take these, this practical program of action in sequence, and then I, had, I was brought into alignment with my higher power. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Renata G., you're next. Thanks, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., recovered compulsively in New York. And, um, you know, I could identify in so much with this paragraph. You know, because I had my own reasons not to follow all of the programs, you know, until this disease removes all forms of self-delusion, that I I could control my life, that I could control my problems, my eating. You know, I was not willing to follow all those steps as they are in the big book. You know, I, I did not have enough humility to surrender to the process. You know, step one... Um, 
all step one is is you know it, it, step one points out my limitations as a human. You know, this was clearly something I could not control, but I kept trying to fix it. I was going to figure out a way. I I, I couldn't, you know, surrender. And so that's why I had objections. I wanted to still do things my way. You know, I, you know, my sense was that I, I, I tried other methods in and out of program. You know, outside of program, I've tried everything that is out there to help with you know, losing weight and maintaining it, and then it did not work. And then I came to the rooms of OA, and, uh, you know, I worked the 12 steps as I wanted, in the pace I wanted. And I was absent as I thought I should be absent, not, you know, really clean and honest. And that, that did not work for me. And so, you know, until I had fully taken step one, I was still, you know, argumentative. I, you know, I, I really, I used to, to say to people, well, but I believe in God, and that's enough. You know, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just like Katie was saying, you know, uh, I know. I know. I knew everything already, but my life was clearly a minute, so what was wrong? And then, you know, I had to come to the point where my fear of, you know, living in this disease, my fear of, uh, you know, picking up that first slide had to be bigger than my fear of going through the steps, of my fear of sitting down the food completely. Until I got to that point, until I had no more, you know, ideas in me, I was not ready to, you know, just do what I was told. And uh, But when I did, you know, when I followed the 12 steps exactly as they are in the big book, that's the only thing that has given me freedom. And so, you know, today when I sponsor, I'm not here to convince anyone. I can't force anyone to follow the same path. But I share with them my experience. I share with them that I tried everything else and did not work. But once I surrendered and, you know, really make use of this step until today, right? Because it never stops. I still have only two choices. You know, I can go into disease or I can work my program. I can work this step in my life every day. And so when I choose to work the steps, I stay in recovery and I have freedom. If I don't, I'm, you know, I keep fighting in the disease, fighting, 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 thinking even deeper. But that I said. Thank you, Renata G. Reva P., you're next. Good morning. This is Reva P., a recovering compulsive overeater uh, in Montreal right now. Uh, for me, this paragraph reminds me uh, when it talks about uh, he may not want to follow all of the program and that this is drastic. Um, and what that reminds me is... Um, this is so drastic for me because it's a 180-degree shift from how I operated before I came uh, to my first meeting. And some of those shifts were shifting from the physical only. It was all about the physical. It was all about my body. And if I just get my body the right size and eat the right way, life will be perfect versus focusing on physical as well as emotional and spiritual Another big shift for me was the old idea that if I just try harder, 
try harder and harder and that'll make things happen. Whereas this program has taught me to not be in control, give up to this power that people talk about that I needed to develop over time and do things with ease. What a concept that things can be achieved and accomplished with ease instead of efforting and efforting. And the other shift for me was focusing on me, 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 I, 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 versus what I can contribute um, and give to others. The other thing that this paragraph reminds me is I can't be selective, as was so beautifully stated. You know, this is not a uh, self-serve, pick-what-you-want cafeteria. If I think I'm an exception and I'll just do this, this, and this, but I don't need to do that part of the work, um, and I'm unique, don't you know, that's just part of my defiance. That's just part of my rebelliousness, and it's reminding me that for me that doesn't work. And the other side, as a sponsor, um, as was so beautifully shared on the paragraph above, again, this paragraph reminds me I'm not in control of a newcomer or you know, people in the rooms who just can't seem to um, get abstinent and get the program. Um, and the disease is the persuader. Um, I don't do any contradiction. And again, it reminds me to practice um, sane, quiet, human understanding. And that's what attracted me. If somebody would have pushed me, I would have pushed back. That's just the way I am. So it's it's just a lovely cycle from beginning step one for myself and then step 12. Um, but there's a lot of work in between and I can't skip. I can't do the two-step uh, dance here. Um, so I'm so grateful for program and with that I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Rochelle M., you're next. Good morning. Um, it could be that my sponsee may be calling me, so if I have to get off abruptly, it's not because I'm being rude. But um, anyway, also I'd like to say that the share is before mine. There she is now. Okay, very briefly, um, it's not a matter of – it's a matter of giving up. It's not a matter of – I've got to go. Sorry. Have a good day. Bye. Okay, Rochelle, thank you so much. We'll catch you later. And Norman, it, your turn is next. And would you give me the first initial of your last name, please? D. It's Norman D. from the Northeast. Great. Thanks so much. And thank you very much for your, for your service. Um, I haven't come to many a vision few meetings, but I've, been, I've, told, I've told other people about it. I had a phone call last night from a close friend that used to, that used to come to the rooms of OA with, with myself and others. And he was practically crying on the phone, and he, he said to me, "I've gained 150 pounds, and I'm completely helpless. I'm lost, and I'm I'm so depressed." And he was practically ready to ready to jump off a bridge. And I said, "Well, there's a, there's a meeting called a vision for you. It's at seven o'clock in the morning." Oh, I can't do that. And that's exactly what this paragraph said to me, and says to me on a regular basis. As soon as I use that word, I can't, then I'm finished. I told him, he said, I need this so badly. I said to him, like someone said to me many years ago, I said, Dave, this program is not for people who need it. It's for people who want it. You have to want it more than the other things that you want. And once you do that, once you take that step, then you, when you realize how much you want it, you'll be willing to do anything to get it. And I tried to tell him that. And uh, I told him about this meeting, and I texted him the uh, the phone number and the access code, and uh, hopefully he's out there listening. 
Uh, thank you very much for being there, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Norman D. Thank you for your share. And I'm going to make another invitation for those who want to share. I do remember hearing Amy G, and I'm going to catch Sally A here. Who else would like to share? This is Bella. Can I share? Hi, Bella, of course. Anyone else? Leanne. Leah. Leanne. And before Leah, I heard someone else. Basa O. Nessie. I, I did get you, Nessie. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you. Let's, let's go with that, and then we'll come back and catch some more. So what I have is Amy G, Sally A, Nessie, Bella, Leanne, Vasa O, and Leah M. Thank you very much. I caught you all. Good morning, Amy G. Good morning, Mal. This is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in, Mar- in Maryland. Grateful to be so. Currently in Myrtle Beach. I thank you, everyone, for your shares. He may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning, which requires discussion with other people. Do not contradict such views. Well, let's take a quick walk back to how it works. It says here, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. In the next paragraph, if you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it. I mean, what are they saying? Third paragraph, fearlessly, thoroughly. You know, this is a program of ego reduction. You know, in my sponsoring experiences, it's come down to two things that people, is they either, you know, the, the chronic nature of the, the relapse due to the mental obsession and the balking at steps four and five and eight and nine. You know, this program is about ego reduction. And until my disease had beaten and pummeled me to a point of complete and absolute powerlessness to be willing to take action, I also balked at these steps and wanted to treat it buffet style, as others have mentioned. But when the pain of where I was got bad enough, I moved and I became absolutely willing. It says that some of these steps we balked, we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. We beg of you to be earnest. Fearless, thorough from the very start. Our old ideas, the result was nil until we let go absolutely. I had to learn to let go, and my sponsees have to learn to let go as well. You know, also it says frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. I mean, some of the sponsees will be on the phone begging and crying for help, as I had done for many of years in program before I was actually willing to take the action step that were necessary. And it says here, do not contradict such views. This is difficult for me as a sponsor. When we know that we have a solution to a solution to this disease, this killing disease that actually works, they will actually save and transform lives like it has done mine and many others that you've heard who have recovered on the line. It is heartbreaking. And yet it is not my job to contradict those views. We're going to talk about it in the next paragraph. You, you'll be most successful with an alcoholic if you don't exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. Well, you all hear me on the line. I'm just a little bit passionate, wouldn't you know? But the reality is, is that that is not something I can do. I must let the disease do the convincing. That frothy emotional appeal will not suffice. And the sad and scary part of this disease is that for every six people in my few decades of sponsoring, for about every five or six people, that I sponsor, maybe one will get it, even though we have the solution right here. You know, and to the newcomer, I say, is it you? Is it going to be you? Just like someone said to me, 
you know, we have two choices. One is to pick up the spiritual tools laid at our feet or to go on into the oblivion of where this disease will take us. You know, suicide on the layaway plan, as Leah has said. We have those two choices, but it has to be a 100% admission of powerlessness and an ego reduction that tells me I'm going to do anything and everything it takes. I'm going to go to any length because I want what you have. I want to do solution, and I want to live. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. Sally A. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Melanie. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Sally A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in South Jersey. So we've got this sentence, and everybody has said such great stuff, but I just want to take a look at this first sentence that really is kind of an amazing, like, uh, again, another seesaw. Uh, your candidate may give reasons why he need not. Let me just stop there for a second. Wait a minute. In the last paragraph, we ended off by saying the more hopeless he feels, the better. He will be more likely to follow your suggestions. Okay, cool. He's ready to listen to what I have to say. He's ready to to take some of my suggestions. But wait a minute. Now we're in a new paragraph. Now we're at the opposite end of the spectrum. Your candidate may give reasons why he need not. So what this says to me, come with me to page 23. We see on page 23 some of the reasons, some of the excuses. You know, I actually have been thinking a lot lately about writing a book about excuses because some people have the most creative excuses for why they don't want to do what we ask them to do. It says here on page 23, the first paragraph right in the middle, it says, sometimes these excuses have a certain plausibility, but none of them really make sense in the light of the havoc an alcoholic drinking bout creates. Coming down the page to the next paragraph, about three lines into it, right in the middle of the page, it says some drinkers have excuses, again, excuses, reasons, with which they are satisfied part of the time. But in their hearts, they really do not know why they do it. Once this malady has a real hold, they are a baffled lot. So here we are again on page 94. Your candidate may have, they may get reasons. They may give excuses. They may give reasons why he need not follow all of the program. You know, on page 20, it tells us, what do I have to do? That's what they ask. What do I have to do on page 20? It says, it is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. Specifically. So again, page 94, your candidate may give excuses, reasons. Why he need not follow all of the program. All, not some of. You know, last night someone called me crying, weeping. She broke her abstinence again. Um, We're halfway through the steps, and she wants to just keep going. And there's two philosophies on this subject of keep going. Should we keep going? Should we get, you know, if you get off the trail, do you get back on and keep going? Or do you have to go back? But when a person is continually picking up the food, I'm sorry, but you're not going to do an effective step four, and that's where this paragraph is leading. It's leading us to a drastic house cleaning, which requires discussion. We cannot get well if we are in the food. You have to specifically follow all of the program. And this book, this instruction manual, tells us very clearly we have to put the food down so that we can have a clear, sober thinking 
unpickled thinking so that we can get well. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally A. Nessa R., you're next. Now press star one, Hi. Nessa. Okay, Hi, I was unmuting. I'm also muting. Hi, this is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada, still in Florida. Um, in my experience, nothing attracts the attention of um, active compulsive overeaters in their addiction than um, physical recovery. It's really the first, the first impression someone has of recovery. And I have a neighbor who knew I was in program. And yet, um, after many years in program, I, I finally, finally got recovery, physical and, um, and spiritual. I, um, she came over to me and she asked me, what did you do? And I think when people do that is they're looking for some kind of a magic answer that they can, that they can implement themselves that will allow them to, to eat everything they want and still, and still remain sane, which is actually what I wanted to do. I, I never wanted to be a normal eater. I wanted to continue eating the way I was eating and I just not be fat. But um, when I told him, I said, I told her, you know, you know what I do. And she actually admitted that she had gone to a meeting. And the word that she used to describe what she heard was the same, program, the same word that's used in this paragraph, drastic. She says, it's a bit drastic. Um, and she said it in a tone as, uh, this is not for me. I'm not looking for something drastic. And, you know, this kind of brings, I didn't argue. I just kind of, kind of shrugged and uh, I um, brings me back to, to the paragraph right before the where it says, it is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a part of a vital part in your own recovery. So all I have to do really is plant a seed. I don't have to convince anyone. I mean, I guess she, she would be unconvincible, uh, unconvincing, unconvincible, whatever the word is, at that point because she had already made a decision. This is drastic. This is too much for me. And yes, it is drastic. And it is drastic and it's only for people who have reached that depth of despair that would make one willing to do even what is drastic. And, you know, by the grace of God, I got to that point. And having planted a seed, all I can do now uh, for her is pray that she would reach that um, po- that point of, of, of despair, that depth in despair that would make one willing to take drastic actions. And she might get there. She may never get there. Um, I don't know. It's not my job to get her there. But if she does get there uh, and she asks me to bring her to a meeting, I would only be too happy to do that. But my recovery is not dependent, on, dependent upon her getting there. My recovery and my staying recovery is dependent upon my trying to carry this message to those who still suffer. And I am doing that. I am doing that. Um, and with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Nessa. Bella G, you're next. Bella G, star one. Oh, I am sorry. I was talking to to myself. 
Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Tell him you once felt as he does. Wow. First of all, it's a program that gives us permission to feel. Yes, I am allowed to feel the way I feel, and I am allowed to talk about my feelings. I know that whatever I feel, it's okay for me, and I have the tools to do things with my feelings. And then another thing, tell him you once felt as he does. Yes, I understand you. I understand the newcomer because I was there. Yes, I was there, and I am, I am willing to share my experience and my strength. Yes, I was there. I remember when I just started, when I just came into the program, I thought to myself, oh, well, I am ready to, to work on my physical disease. Yes, I will take care on my food. Yes, I will follow up a food plan. But not, I am not as you, no, not at all. I don't have this obsession in the mind. And, you know, don't talk about my lack in spirit. No, no, no. I, I have a God in my life. So I am not as you. But, you know, with the help of my sponsors, yes, I did actions. Yes, I started to do the tools. And, oh, boy. Yes, I understood that I am driven by my ego. Yes, and I want the control, and I wanted the power. And yes, it was hard for me to accept and admit that my ego is so big, and I want to do for my ego. So yes, I was there, and I understand you. So... This program is not about blaming and judging. It's all about understanding. Yes, and part of my, my recovery, a big part of my recovery, is to understand that I am human and I have my limitations, I have my character defect, and yes, I choose to be connected to the power of God. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thanks, Bella G. Leanne S., you're next. Hi, this is Leanne, recovered in Florida from anorexia and compulsive over overeating. And I became anorexic because I was a compulsive overeater. And I think as far as being ready to do this and accept everything, I didn't think I had any of that in me. And um, I think the one thing, there's a story in the big book that, that talks about whatever it takes for him to begin the process or to begin recovery, just go with it, whatever it is. And for me, I didn't even know this. It was the fact that there was somebody willing to get on the phone with me 15 minutes a day and listen to me. I didn't realize how dark and lonely I was. And this was another person who had to gain weight in program. At the time, I was um, my lowest was 5'6". I was 72 pounds. <clears throat> I was completely dying. And to hear somebody else who had this, that was what kind of got me. I was totally not ready to, to think that I could even eat food or keep it in me. 
I thought as soon as I took a bite, I would be a wild animal, which was what happened all the time. Every time I tried to eat, I'd lose control so bad that I would go the other way. But um, the readiness and the willingness, I didn't even think I had it until this person came along and made a suggestion. And I remember sitting there with that first meal. I had absolutely nothing in me that wanted to put that meal inside of me. But then I thought of losing that closeness and that one-on-one that I was starting to develop with her. And that alone was the key that um, helped me be ready. And um, the readiness, once I took that one little step, it was unbelievable how the floodgates of willingness flowed over me in such a powerful way that overcame all those intense fears I had of, you know, the fact that all my family was obese and I was headed in that direction and just all of it washed away with that one step of willingness. And whatever aspect of, of readiness is in there, God will bring it to the surface. You know, that was the one thing that needed to be out there for me to begin this process. Um, and I'm so grateful, you know, even remembering that story in the big book, you know, whatever it takes to start the process and then it grows from there. After that, um, developing that closeness with God, I didn't want to be out of his will. I just felt so right-sided after I began abstinent eating It took me a while to taper off. I was definitely not struck abstinent. But just the fact that I made one good step toward something right um, made, I didn't even know how ready I was. I was so ready that um, I cried for four months because I couldn't believe I was doing something right. And um, anyway, that's what this this, uh, discussion is bringing up for me, you know, being ready and not being ready to accept everything the program offers, it grows and it still keeps growing. It's a process. It it grow it grows. My integrity is growing. My honesty is growing. It's always growing, as long as I keep showing up and um, doing the things I know that I was taught by such great people. <clears throat> and um, thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leanne S. Vasa O. You're next. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. And I am Vasa O. Recover Compulsive Ovida, calling from Massachusetts. And this, uh, yes, my disease was my best persuader. There was nothing more that I wanted than to stop eating the way I was eating because it was just going to kill me. And this was my last stop coming to Ovida's Anonymous. After trying to control the food addiction for many, many, many years, I couldn't do it. It's not like I did not try, believe me. I have gained hundreds and hundreds of pounds, putting it on, taking it off, putting it on, taking it off. So it's very painful, you know, thing to go through. And uh, finally, I was so grateful to hear that there was a solution to my problem. I was just so excited. I was elated, you know. After all those years, I had tremendous hope out there. After I had lost hope, I remember saying to my sponsor, or even, you know, the people that had gone before me, just show me the way, you know. Uh, you know, and the big book, you know, again, the big book showed up and followed the instruction. And, um, and I mean, yes, I paid a lot of attention uh, on how it works. Really, have we seen a person? 
Phil, who has uh, thoroughly followed our path, those do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And I wanted to be honest, you know, and I wanted to follow the directions. So I understand when the newcomers come in, whether they've been in relapse or they're just beginning in the program, I understand I've been there, and I just listen with a lot of love, compassion, and, um, you know, and patience, you know. Just keep coming. It's going to happen. Keep coming. It has happened to me. If God is doing for me, why wouldn't he do that for you? And the program, I just threw myself into the program, and, and my higher power, my sponsor would say, fake it till you get it, so... That's what I did. That's what I've been doing. And I'm just so grateful to be here with all of you. And I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Leah M., it's your turn. Thanks. Thank you, Melanie. Hi, everybody. Good morning. It's Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you would have made much progress had you not taken action. You know, it's interesting. They talk about your candidate may give reasons. I mean, I think it's interesting in studying, you know, this material today that, you know, most of the candidates that we speak to are people who have been in OA for years, most often decades, Um, you know, and they have found OA to be a place, you know, a fellowship that offers um, some relief from the loneliness, um, you know, a place where you can commiserate with other compulsive overeaters and feel like you're not alone in your suffering, rather than a place that's uncomfortable <laughs> if you're not implementing the steps. So, you know, unfortunately, OA has not done its job of carrying the message of a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. So, you know, I don't do this by, uh, you know, tearing somebody down, but certainly the big book is tough. It's down to earth. It doesn't mince words. Uh, you know, I once heard, uh, you know, truth without compassion is cruel, but compassion without truth is deadly. And indeed that is, you know, certainly everything we say has to be full of love and tolerance and compassion because I was in those shoes too. However, we do have a responsibility and that responsibility is to carry a specific message. And, you know, in working with uh, prospects, you know, our aim is to produce a crisis by relating the seriousness of our disease through the sharing of my own experience. See, I too sat in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous from 1982 to 1987, and perhaps it was a brew of not hearing uh, a clear, uh, adequate representation of the program and, and some defiance mixed into that. Um, but finally, you know, the disease had beat me into a state of willingness. And I come here today, as I've come here, you know, almost the past three decades, and, and finally implemented those steps beginning in 87, because I did not want to die, and also because I did not want to live in the way I once lived, because I had lived in a way that was absent of quality of life. 
So yes, we have a message to carry. And yes, I have absolutely no interest in power or personal recognition or personal success in working with other people. But I have an enormous interest in having an influence. This is not about being power hungry in the least. It's just that God uses recovered people. And we have a specific message, especially, especially in a uh, in an atmosphere, an environment like Overeaters Anonymous, where the success rate has been so dismal. So our chief responsibility to the newcomer is to present an adequate presentation of the program through our own experience, and that's actually, actually what this paragraph is talking about. Yes, I needed the program. Yes, I wanted it. The question was, was I ready to do it? <laughs> was I ready to do it? And yes, the, the disease uh, took me to that point. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And it looks like we have time to invite two more people to share on this paragraph, and that will close us out for the Melissa end C. of this meeting today. Like to share? I hear Melissa C. And uh-huh. Alice M. And I know that there's several more. We have run out of time, so we'll go with Melissa C. and Alice M. And please, those that ask to share, stay on for our second meeting, and please impart your wisdom there at that particular time. I appreciate it very much. Good morning, Melissa C. Good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all of the program. Um, This is something that I've come into contact with so many times. And, um, you know, a, a huge mistake that I used to make was trying to soften it to, um, to convince people, oh, it's not as difficult. Um, and that, you know, and, and this has really helped me. I cannot, I can um, sympathetically, empathetically nod and say, yeah, it, it, this is a drastic program, I, you know. But, um, but I had two alternatives. And if you're as sick as me, um, you may have only those two alternatives. Follow it completely <laughs> or do whatever you want. You know, go back and, and do it your way. Um, and, um, you know, but often what, what I've come into contact with is people who want to tweak their program of recovery Usually, um, it's it's the food thing. You know, they don't want to commit. They don't want to tell me, um, even specifically starting with their alcoholic foods. I've had people that said, oh, I don't have any alcoholic foods. Um, so long as I'm spiritually fit, I can eat anything. Um, really? You know, I, I can't. Um, I don't know how to get spiritually fit without, you know, putting the food down. I, I It doesn't work the other way for me. Um, and my job is not to be the great convincer. Um, I can tell them with love and kindness, this is what I have done. This is what has given me relief. This is what brought me to a place of neutrality with the food. I have not, I would never be able to make progress had I not taken action. Um, yes, a drastic house cleaning is the action being referred to, but I could not clean my house until I got food sober. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Alice M. Take us to the top of the meeting, please. Thanks, Melanie. This is Alice M., a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic. And I'm going to like piggyback on what uh, the previous share said. Uh, you know, I'm dealing with a friend right now. She's not my sponsor, a friend who is in very, very, very early recovery at the point of she's on the fence, um, even having just got out of treatment. 
So this is very meaningful to me, this paragraph. And I'm also relating on what worked with me. Um, now, you know, when it says your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all the programs. I, too, when I first came into this room, I didn't need to know about inventories, the big book, any of that stuff right away. I needed to get my food down so that I could then be clear to look at that stuff. I had no interest in any of that. It all seemed very religious to me. I had no interest in that. I was an addict who wanted recovery. I wanted out of the hell of my food addiction, my bulimia, my anorexia. So um, the with my friend now, it's that um, she may give reasons why she need not follow a particular food plan. She need not surrender certain things in her in her food plan. Um, you know, she may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning of her food. That's how I look at it initially. This is what I had to do. I had to go through my food with a fine-tooth comb, and I did that with someone from Vision. Um, and really, you know, and this person now is not willing to give up certain things, which I think she should. <laughs> I'm opinionated. I, I know what works for me. We are both critical level. We both have very similar histories. Um, and it says, um, you know, tell him you once felt as he does. So I say I once held on to those particular substances too. But here's what happened to me. And here's where I am now without, without those substances. So, you know, I just feel like that I really, when I work with someone, a friend, a sponsor, whatever, it's really, really, really imperative that the an entire abstinence is there, that there is a clear and abstinent food plan. However it's gotten, you know, people have all kinds of opinions about that too. And I want to say also that, you know, in the big book it says, um, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. It does not say never suffices. It says seldom, which means it could work in some cases because I will tell you that people have appealed emotionally, frothily, probably at the mouth like rabid dogs with me, and it has saved my ass. It has saved my life. And this happened just recently, a month ago, and I was back into thinking I could chew gum. And someone on this line called me and frothy emotional appeal, lecturing, blah, blah, blah. Since that day, I have not felt, I have surrendered gum since that day. So it does work with some people. And when you're dealing with someone's life, I pull out, I pull out all my, all my weapons. Frothy emotional appeal, you know, identifying everything. I give it my best shot, you know, and it's it's just so. Anyway, um, I feel like you know, and I do contradict her views occasionally. Um, I'm just here to, if someone wants what I have, and I've been on the path where they've been down, especially as a bulimic and multiple times in inpatient treatment, and still not willing to give up certain things. Um, I have something to share with them, and it is that I have been there. It may not work for you, but this is what works for me. And if you're desperate enough, like I was and am, um, you will do these things. So anyway, that's my two cents on that. And I love those words in the big book where it says probably no human power because that leaves it open to saying, you know what, maybe human power can save. And seldom suffices. Seldom means be open that sometimes it does work. Um, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Alice M. And thank you to all that shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Will Devorah S. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
Hi. Good morning. It's Devara S. from New Jersey Recovered. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.